Goddag og velkommen til Langsomme Samtaler, der sætter verden sammen. Mit navn er Rune Lykkeberg. Jeg har i denne uge talt med den amerikanske professor, forfatter og aktivist Ibram X. Kendi, der måske mere end nogen anden har præget de seneste års antiracistiske bevægelser og antiracistiske aktivisme i USA med bogen How to be an anti-racist. Den bog udkom i 2019. Den lå i månedsvis i toppen af bestsellerlisten på New York Times. Den blev beskrevet som den mest modige bog om raceproblemet i Vesten i årvis, og den er blevet belønnet med adskillige priser. Ibram X. Kendi, som er født og opvokset i Queens i New York, er i dag professor i historie ved Boston University, hvor han også leder forskningscentret Anti-Racist Research and Policy Center ved American University. Grundlæggende så præsenterer Ibram X. Kendis projekt et opgør med den almindelige forståelse af racisme. Vi er nok vant til at forstå racisme som noget, der findes moralsk inde i hovederne på mennesker, og som man skal overtale dem til at holde op med. Men Ibram X. Kendi flytter racisme fra noget, der er inde i hovederne på den enkelte, til noget, der er i samfundets politik og i samfundets idéer. Det betyder også, at han gør op med skældet mellem antiracister og racister. Den, der er racist det ene øjeblik, kan være antiracist det andet øjeblik, ifølge Ibrahim X. Kendi. Man skal således ikke forstå racisme som noget, der skal fordømmes moralsk, og racister som nogen, der skal bekæmpes. Derimod skal man forstå racisme som politik og idéer, der cirkulerer i vores samfund, og som vi nogle gange tager del i og nogle gange bekæmper. Racisme er noget, der produceres i vores samfund, hvis vi ikke er opmærksomme på det. Det næste er, at for Ibrahim X. Kendi kan racisme ikke studeres isoleret. Man kan ikke bare bekæmpe racisme per se. Man bliver nødt til, i traditionen fra Martin Luther King, at forstå, at racisme hænger sammen med kapitalisme. Og hvis man vil bekæmpe racisme, må man også bekæmpe den økonomiske ulighed. Det betyder også, at racisme ikke som sådan bliver til en moralsk fordømmelse af folk, man er modstander af. Det bliver til en beskrivelse af idéer og politikker, som der skal gøres op med. Derfor virker det for Ibrahim X. Kendi fuldstændig meningsløst at tale om institutionel racisme, strukturel racisme og systemisk racisme, som man har gjort over de senere år. Fordi racisme grundlæggende er institutionelt, strukturelt og systemisk for Ibrahim X. Kendi. Der er således i hans opfattelse af racisme en overgang fra et fokus på lige rettigheder og lige udgangspunkter til at se på facitlisten og sociale realiteter. En racistisk politik kan det for eksempel være, hvis man har en sundhedspolitik, som gør, at der er rigtig mange sorte, der står uden sundhedsforsikring. Det er ikke nødvendigvis folk, der er racister inde i hovederne, der har skabt den politik, men resultatet er, at uligheden mellem de hvide og de sorte øges. Han synes også, begrebet om omvendt racisme er tåbeligt. Der findes racisme i alle grupper, hævder han. Han har således med et radikalt opgør med vores almindelige forståelse af racisme defineret en ny front og en ny inspiration for en bevægelse, som er blevet ekstremt stærk i USA og som også har inspireret meget stærke bevægelser i Europa. Racisme er, siger han, ægteskabet mellem racistiske politikker og racistiske idéer. 
Den sidste pointe, som skal med, inden vi går over til min samtale med Ibrahim X. Kendi, er derfor, at der findes ikke nogen neutral grund. Enten deltager man i politikker, som producerer racisme, eller også så modarbejder man dem. Man kan ikke være ikke-racist. Enten deltager man i racisme, eller også arbejder man aktivt for antiracisme. Ibrahim X. Kendi er blevet en stor stjerne i USA, en ekstremt vigtig stemme for hele diskussionen, Derfor er han også en mand, der har meget travlt. Så vi har kun haft tiden mellem to møder til at tale med Ibrahim X. Kendi. Og derudover, så havde vi desværre et par lydudfald undervejs. Derfor gør vi i den her samtale noget, som vi ikke plejer at gøre. Nemlig, at jeg speaker en gang imellem ind over samtalen i nogle mellemrum, hvor jeg prøver at forklare, hvor vi er nået til, og prøver at forklare baggrunden for det, der tales om. God fornøjelse. And hello to you. Dr. Ibrahim X. Kendi, who is with us from Boston, Massachusetts. Thank you so very, very much for taking your time and talking to us. Of course, thank you for having me. You, you know, your book has been, your book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, has been very inspirational here. And I think it also came out here at a moment where anti-anti-racism has been dominant for 20 years. You know, this discoursing. We're not racist. We just want immigrant children to live in camps so we don't attract too many. We're not racist. We just want to control the number of immigrants. And we don't want to be called racist when we say that. So over the last 20 years, the basic question, what does it mean to be racist actually, has been uh, you know, very urgent here. But I don't think we've been able to deliver some convincing answers. So when your book came out here, it was just very, very relevant. And this is a book that's anchored in definitions. I think that's fair to say. And at the bottom of it is a very radical definition of, of what it means to be a, a racist. Radical in the sense that a lot of people didn't think of racism that way before. It's not so much about what's in the individual hearts and minds uh, as about the policies and ideas that are producing racist outcomes in, in society. How did you develop this definition of racism? Well, I, I developed it based on based on the research, based on a tremendous amount of research, really documenting the full history of, of, of racism in, in, in the Western world from its origins in, in 15th century Portugal. It spread around Europe and it spread, you know, throughout the rest of the world. And and so I think that having a full picture of not just uh, the structure of racism, but how individuals sort of operate, one of the things that I consistently found was that individuals are deeply complex. So you have people who one day will express that the racial groups are equals, and the next day they'll they'll express that those darker looking immigrants are ruining our country right and and so what i found is is that because people hold both racist and anti-racist ideas because people end up supporting both racist and anti-racist policies how can we define people as essentially racist or anti-racist and Because historically, when people were being racist, they self-identified as not racist. How can we still be using that term uh, as if it's a, an actual thing other than 
an attempt to, to sort of hide one's own racism. I, I think here in Denmark, we've been used to discussing racism in terms of uh, the morality of the individual, but also in terms of equal opportunity for where are you at the starting line? And we've had this discourse that we have equal opportunities and then you keep producing unequal outcomes from, from that. Uh, and in your work, you, you, you stress the concept of racial inequity. Can you explain why, why you use this concept of racial inequity? It's, 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 to me, it's, it's, it's common sense. And so let me give the example of what happened in the United States, and I suspect it's happened in other countries around the world when we first received the vaccine for the coronavirus pandemic. We didn't state, you know what, we only have a limited supply, so let's basically give everyone equal opportunity, quote unquote, <laughs> <laughs> to to receive vaccine. No, we said which group is dying at the highest rates from vaccine. It's elderly people. Let's give them vaccine first. I mean, so when you have inequality to start out with by essentially giving, you know, two families the same amount of money, uh, what's going to persist? The inequality between those two families. And especially when that government itself is largely responsible for that inequality to begin with, to then turn around and state, well, we're not going to repair the inequality that we created on, on, on this precept that it will be discriminatory to the people who we've historically uh, supplied extra resources to is just, to me, illogical. And, and I, th I think that also requires that which you stress in your book that you look at capitalism and racism together, that if you support economic policies that are producing inequality, then you're also producing racist policies. Isn't that correct that these two go together in your work? I think what's, what's striking is I think just like with racism, it's hard to have an empirical and an historical conversation about racism because it's so politically and ideologically loaded. It's the same thing as you know with capitalism. You know, there are all sorts of views on what capitalism is and what it's not and in its history. And I think we should, you know, strip away of all of the sort of the politics and the ideology and the and 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 and, and, and when we do that, we find that historically capitalism, you know, emerged in the same place at the same time, the long, what's called 16th century, you know, in Western Europe. Uh, and that's precisely when and where racism sort of emerged. You, you can't separate the rise of capitalism from the rise of, of the transatlantic slave trade, from the rise of colonialism, from the rise of slavery. And, and then even today, fast forwarding hundreds of years, <laughs> you know, you, it's hard to separate race from class, whether you're talking about inside countries or even between countries. It's not a coincidence that many of the poorest countries in the world are in Africa. Uh, it's, it's not a coincidence that many of the, the wealthiest countries in the world, you know, are in Europe. And, and I think we have to sort of recognize it's just like it's not a coincidence that Black people across the world are disproportionately impoverished. That's the result of class and race.
Det er vigtigt for Ibrahim X. Kendi at understrege, at kilden til racistiske idéer ikke er uvidenhed og had, men selvinteresse og magt. Det betyder, at man ikke bare kan overbevise folk om, at racisme er forkert, og således give dem en viden, som de ikke havde før, og dermed overkomme racisme. Det betyder også, at man ikke bare kan håndtere racisme på individniveau. Man bliver nødt til at se på magtniveauet. Og magtniveauet i et hvert samfund har en specifik historie, fordi magt er produceret gennem århundredes kompromisser, politikker, økonomiske institutioner og alle mulige reformer og kulturelle overenskomster. Så racismen forstået som magtforhold i samfundet har en specifik historie. Ibrahim X. Kendi afdækkede selv i bogen Stand from the Beginning fra 2016 racismens historie i USA. Han siger, at hvis man vil forstå racismen, skal man nemlig også forstå, hvorfor antiracismen har slået fejl. Det interessante er således, at en beskrivelse af racismen i USA er blevet til en universel inspiration for antiracistiske bevægelser i Europa. Men sagen er jo, at vi har en helt anden historie end Europa, end de har i USA. Frankrigs kolonialistiske historie er helt anderledes end USA. Og det forhold, der findes mellem for eksempel Maghreblandene i Nordafrika og Frankrig i dag, er fuldstændig anderledes end det, der findes mellem USA og de afrikanske stater, hvor de oprindeligt hentede deres slaver. Et meget vigtigt spørgsmål for Ibrahim X. Kendi er således, hvordan kan man overføre kampen fra USA mod racisme til kampene i Europa? Og i hvor høj grad bliver hver eneste land og hvert eneste samfund nødt til at udvikle deres eget sprog? Det er det, vi taler om i den næste del af samtalen. We've been very inspired here in Denmark over the years from the anti-racist struggles in America, you know, all the way from Martin Luther King and then up till today. And my, my wife, she's from Iran, so my son is, uh, is a half, half Iranian. And he's, he keeps saying to me, well, Father, I'm so glad that we have cool people from America inspiring anti-racism because everyone seems to have given up here. Uh, and, and so we have a lot of discussions whether whether racism can be approached in the same way in different societies, whether, you know, that we have our history of racism and colonialism in Denmark, which is very different from the racism and colonialism of France. And you've written this wonderful book, Stem from the Beginning, which is kind of a narrative story of the racist and anti-racist ideas in, in America. So to what extent do you think that we can import anti-racist strategies and to what extent should each country develop their own anti-racist strategies according to their own history? So I think it's it's important for us to recognize that, as you stated, that every country has its own national history. Uh, the racial makeup uh, of every country uh, is different. The makeup of ethnic groups and cultural groups are different. And I think we have to recognize those differences. At the same time, I think we can recognize differences and then recognize similarities. And the similarities that cut across nations are terms like inequity and equity, you know, are terms or constructs that certain groups are 
superior or inferior, our, our notions that you know, certain people are ruining the country or bettering the country, or, you know, our ideas that the cause of racial inequity are what's wrong with people as opposed to power and policy. You know, those constructs to me cut across nations and can be applied differently in each nation based on their own history. Because I think we really need some inspiration here in Europe at the moment, because, you know, we have this very damaging situation that in order to protect human rights in Europe, the political consensus is that we must let people die in the Mediterranean coming here, that the, the, you know, the saying is that the democratic majorities in Europe, they do not want more migrants and especially not refugees. So in order to protect the European Union, we've, they're not knocking on our door here in the European door. They're knocking on the door of Turkey, of Libya and Egypt. And that is at the center of the European Union now, that we can have human rights here because we shield them off from, from others. And it's very, very hard to develop a critical strategy of this because everyone who will be governing a country in Europe will be afraid of seeming you know, weak on, on immigration. At the same time, it's absolutely unbearable. It's, it's an absolutely unbearable situation that in order for us to sustain democracy, we should keep others out. I know this is a big and difficult question, but how do you think we should go about developing a critical strategy towards that consensus? I think it's I think it, it's it is extremely complex. And I, I think that first and foremost, nations within the European Union should not start with the basic assumption that migrants, let's say from the the Middle East or the global south are coming to or want to come to European nations because they're superior, because white people are there. <laughs> so if, I think if we move away from that basic assumption, which is a racist assumption, uh, then the question becomes, okay, why? And, and, and then I think that allows a nation, that allows a continent to then interrogate the forces that they actually may be contributing to <laughs> that is causing people from the global south to, to sort of migrate uh, you know, up to EU sort of nations. And then to address those issues, because chances are most people like, don't want to leave their homes. <laughs> most people are forced to leave their homes because of conditions. And, and so I think if, if, if we start there and if we state, you know what, what are those conditions and how have we contributed to them? And how can we reverse that? In other words, instead of contributing to people leaving, we're actually supporting the enrichment of their own nations. And then simultaneously, how do we open ourselves up to those people who still may end up migrating? And the history of humanity is the history of migration. And, and I think for us, for any nation to resist migration is to resist their own ancestors because chances are their ancestors migrated to their nation. Der er nok at være vred over, når man ser på forholdene mellem hvide og sorte i USA ifølge Ibrahim X. Kendi. Men spørgsmålet er, om vreden er den rigtige drivkraft i en antiracistisk bevægelse. Vreden er jo i høj grad det, som Donald Trump og Facebook og Mark Zuckerberg lever af. Vreden som udtryk er det, der river vores samfund i stykke, og ikke det, der binder vores samfund sammen. 
Det interessante er, at How to be an anti-racist, det er en radikal kritik, men det er egentlig ikke en vred bog. Det er en bog, som vil gøre op med nogle grundstrukturer i samfundet, men det er samtidig også en inviterende og generøs bog. Han går meget ud af selv i bogen, Ibram X. Kendi, at han selv indimellem handler og tænker racistisk. Han gør op med sin egen racisme, og det gør han fortløbende, som en invitation til alle andre til at gøre op med vores racisme. Så hans bog er ikke en vred bog fra antiracister mod racister. Det er faktisk en slags appel og invitation til, at alle skal deltage i bevægelsen. For som han også siger, kernen i racisme, det er fortrængning. Fortrængning af magtforhold, fortrængning af idéer, fortrængning af økonomiske interesser. Og derfor må kernen i antiracisme, ifølge Ibram X. Kendi, blive til bekendelse. Og bekendelse er ikke noget, man gør ved at slå på andre. Det er noget, man gør ved at åbne sig selv. Jeg har selv i de langsomme samtaler i efteråret 2021 været meget optaget af, hvorvidt vreden var den rigtige strategi for progressive bevægelser i dag, eller om progressive bevægelser tværtimod skulle række ud, skabe nye forbindelser, invitere andre ind, om forudsætningen for sociale fremskridt ikke er, at man kan række ud til dem, man er uenig med, om forudsætningen for opgør med alle mulige former for ulighed ikke er, at man skaber nye alliancer. En ting er sikkert, hvis man giver efter for Donald Trumps vrede strategi, så skaber man bevægelser, der river de institutioner i stykker, der i sidste instans er forudsætningen for, at vi kan lave regler, som beskytter de små imod de store. Derfor vil jeg i den her del af samtalen høre, hvordan Ibram X. Kendi ser vreden. Det er helt sikkert, at der er masser at være vred over, men det er overhovedet ikke sikkert, at vreden er den rigtige strategi til at gøre op med det. One last question, because I know you're in a hurry and you have another meeting to, to attend to. Is on this podcast, we've been discussing over the last year, what should be kind of the strategy for critical movements today? When I was young, we were always talking about being angry. And I loved the anger and the expression of the anger. It seems today that the right-wing nationalists, they have stolen the anger and that Mark Zuckerberg is making a lot of money on people being angry. And I was very impressed by Elizabeth Watuti, you know, the Kenyan activist that started COP26. She was being the opposite of that. She had a She was saying, please open your hearts, talking to the world leaders. And I was thinking of your reflections on, on the attitude of a critical movement. That could be a critical movement against racism, inequalities of capitalism, the destruction of our, of our climate. But this strategy of please open our hearts, which I actually find a little bit in your book as well, because you talk about your own racism in the beginning, which must be very tough but which invites readers to, to look themselves in the mirror as well. So how do you see the strategy of please open your heart? You know, I just think it's, I think if, 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 if the sort of movements for bigotry are, are, are driven by hate and that's recognized commonly, then what's the opposite of that? <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, obviously that opposite is love and so indeed critical movements and and and, and movements uh, to create equity and justice uh, for all people you know must be driven by love and and what that means is is that you know I'm going to love my stuff so much that I'm going to be willing 
to criticize myself and identify, you know, when I am expressing racist ideas that are harmful to me and people around me. And then simultaneously, I love humanity so much. I love my community so much that I'm not going to want to spread this viciousness. <laughs> so I'm going to interrogate myself and my community to stop the sort of spread of racism and, and, and bigotry. And, 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 and so I think certainly love is at the center. Well, thank you very much. It's 20 minutes past and we were allowed to have 20 minutes of your time. Thank you. I think it's a wonderful way to end that love is at the center. Thank you for your work and your inspiration, Dr. Kennedy. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Det var så min samtale med Ibrahim X. Kendi. Hvis jeg skulle anbefale en bog af ham, er det uden tvivl How to be an anti-racist. Det er en tankevækkende, provokerende bog, som gør op med rigtig mange af vores antagelser om racisme. Det er også en bog, som er svær, og som man skal gå med et stykke tid for rigtigt at forstå den, fordi det, der er bogens egentlige anlæggende, det er at gøre op med racisme som en moralsk anklage mod andre. Men fordi den ser racisme overalt, så kan den også nemt komme til at inspirere til moralske anklager over det hele. Og i stedet for at blive en appel, så kan den også godt blive til en anklage. Derfor kræver den en hel del af sin læser. Men jeg mener, man kommer et rigtig godt stykke videre, hvis man læser den. Det var så den første langsomme samtale i år. I den næste samtale, der taler jeg med den verdensberømte franske sociolog, forsker, Bruno Latour, der på en eller anden måde også er aktivist, fordi Bruno Latour har det helt særlige for sig som intellektuel, at han er meget optaget af, hvordan man skaber konkrete løsninger. Det handler for eksempel om konkrete løsninger på klimaproblemet. Jeg håber, I vil lytte med i næste uge. Tak for nu.